Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. I believe if Dr. King was here today, if he was in this pulpit today, still being able to preach about the dream, he would tell you, do not celebrate me so much, and I'm thankful that we do because of what he did, but we celebrate him because what we really are doing is celebrating what the man did, who the man was. Are y'all hearing me? He was a force, but he was still just a man, right? He was still just a man. He bled the same way we bleed and we, he dies. We know that the same way we die. In fact, he died in a way that most of us will not die. He died for the cause for somebody that did not like what he was pushing. People will always come against you when you are pushing what God is telling you to push. Oh, it's a quiet Sunday morning crowd. Come on. Do not remember the former things, Isaiah chapter 43, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Somebody shout a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? In other words, when this new thing happens, most people in the generation, when it is happening, will not even know that it is happening. In fact, they will think the opposite is happening. But I'm going to tell you something to the people of God, to the remnant, you will know it. I will, this is how you'll know it. I'll make a road in the wilderness. I'll make a river in the desert. Come on, somebody. The beasts of the fields will honor me. The jackals and the ostriches. In other words, a lot of people will not honor me, but I will get my honor. This is the Old Testament way of what Jesus said when he came into Jerusalem riding the donkey. If you don't praise me, the rocks are crying and praise me. Isaiah said, when this thing happens, if you don't don't recognize it the trees will recognize it if you don't recognize it the volcanoes will recognize it did you see that volcano yesterday the Bible says in the last days you'll see the signs of the earth groaning and shaking and that one of the largest ever recorded volcano eruptions in history happened yesterday and the only reason millions of people did not die is because it was in in the depths of the ocean miles underwater You need to go look at it, the satellite picture, the largest volcanic eruption ever recorded since they've had satellites. It spewed ash 12 miles high, and it was underwater. Ash was thrown from underwater from the bottom of the ocean 12 miles high. The sonic boom. That came as a result. I watched this one video. These guys were on the beach. They were 270 miles away. 270 miles away. And when the sonic boom hit them, it shook the camera, shook the trees, and knocked them backwards. 270 miles away. Now what does that mean to us today, Pastor? It's because the Bible says in the last days there'll come a great shaking. Not only in the earth, but in the heavens as well. 
And everything that can be shaken will be shaken until that which cannot be shaken remains. Can I tell you something? The Word of God tells us that He does not give us the spiritual to teach us natural principles. He brings us into a world and uses natural things to prepare us spiritually. When you see the earthquakes happening, when you see the volcanoes happening, it's not just that these are signs of the return of Christ. It is also signs of a rumbling happening within the body. There is a shaking happening within the people. Are y'all hearing me? There is, there is something spewing that even though it's underwater, it's so powerful, it will, it will literally shock the world. There is something new happening. We are not dying. The church is not dying. Don't let an empty row of chairs make you think the church is dying. In fact, many of the ones that have slid out of church and stopped coming to church, many of them, let me say some of them, maybe not many of them, but some of them will come back because they will follow your example through this if you will be who God has called you to be. Oh, I'm preaching better than you shout. Now watch this. So I said, you know what, Lord? What we need is a new push. We need a new push. Part three is called new push. Last week was called new wine. This is called new push. See, we've needed a new push for a long time. Slap your neighbor and tell him, wake up and listen to the preacher. Slap your other neighbor, tell him, get off your phone. I promise you, there ain't nothing on that phone that's better than what you're about to hear. Nothing. How about this? Those people that think they can talk to you during church, ain't it time for them to know that you off limits during this time? Ain't it time for them to know that you ain't going to answer their text till church is over? I got people in this church. I love y'all. I'm in this church. I got people in this church try to text me messages while I'm preaching to remind me of something. When church is over with, they're like, did you get my text? I'm like, I ain't searching for your text while I'm preaching. We need to push for a long time. Somebody shout push. But nobody, nobody wants to be pushed. Your natural reaction when someone pushes you is to push back. In fact, there's usually always a pushback anytime you are pushed. It is not our nature to want to be pushed. By definition, push is something that happens to us to accelerate us beyond what we think we can do or what we want to do. Or to push us backwards from the direction that we think we should be going. Sometimes the push that we need as a body. Sometimes the push we need as an individual. Sometimes the push that we need as a nation and as a, as a group and as a church sometimes is not even a person pushing us but an event. Sometimes it's a tragedy. Sometimes a tragedy happens and it pushes us into war. Are you hearing me? Sometimes it simply is a person that creates the individual push that we need. How many of those people need people? You can't grow in God in isolation. You need someone to, to cover you, speak to you, and for someone that will listen to you and that you will be willing to listen to them. 
Because the reality is this. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how long you've been serving God. You are not as strong in this moment as you think you are. You can't handle everything on your own the way you think you can handle everything on your own. Dr. King, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a pusher. His life was a new push. Rosa Parks' life was a new push. She didn't, she, see, he was a preacher. He was already a pusher of hope. But let me tell you something about Rosa Parks. She was just a, a regular woman of God that had a job that was going to work. And, and she had to deal with that mess every day on that bus and deal with all the things that she had to deal with in her life. Always people calling her a second-class citizen. But how many toes, how many know sometimes there's, there's, there's going to come a moment, and there not need be anybody in that room, that God's going to quicken your spirit and tell you, when are you going to be what I told you to be? When are you going to stand up for yourself? When are you going to tell yourself that you ain't what they said you were? There was no fanfare. There was no command from somebody to do it. I can almost imagine her looking in the mirror in her little bathroom in Montgomery, Alabama, fixing her hair like she did every day, going to work, making sure her purse was ready, making sure she had changed for the bus, making sure everything was in line. In her mind, she was about to go do the same thing she'd always did, preparing herself to deal with all that she had to deal with. But I'm, I don't know if this is the way it happened, but I can just almost see it happening like this. Passing by that mirror one more time, just looking out of the corner of her eye, and something quickened her. We know that at some point something quickened her. It didn't start that day. It had been building. But that day, she saw herself in a way that, that, that maybe she had seen herself that way in a long time. But she had allowed herself, and she had a, and not allowed herself, she had been a part of a system that had tried to push her down and tell her she was a lesser human being because of the color of her skin. And, she, and it was manifested in her life in many ways throughout the day. That bus ride was not the most horrible thing that happened to her during the day. We can't even imagine the stuff that happened to Rosa Parks. But it was a part Part of her day that she had to deal with every day. Every morning she got up and said, greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. And when that bus door would open, that devil would just push her back into seclusion. But one day, hallelujah, Rosa Parks decided to push back. One day she decided to say, I am not who they said I was. And I'm telling you right now, by God, I'll sit anywhere I want to sit. Come hell or high water, no matter what happens to me, let them put me in jail. Let them do whatever they want to do. But I can tell you this right now. I'm going to sit in the front of the bus today, and I don't care if nothing. We need some Holy Ghost Rosa Parks in the body of Christ right now. We need some Rosa Park anointed men and women of God. Do you understand? Good morning, sir. Good morning, Rosa. One step, two steps, sit. You know, them bus drivers got that mirror. They can see all the people riding. Rosa. Rosa. Girl, you know I love you. We, we, we friends, right? We friends. Now, you know, Rosa. You're about to ask for some problems because the rest of the folks on this bus don't want you sitting there. 
I can see Rosa look, looking back. This is just all my words here because we know what happened. She said, well, let me just tell you this. You can do whatever you got to do. But I'm sitting right here till I get off this bus when I decide to get off this bus. Let me tell you what she did. She pushed people to get out and start boycotting the buses. I'm talking about it took a woman to inspire men to boycott the bus. Nobody was boycotting that bus before she took a stand. And I, you know what? You'll always move the corporate world when you take away their money. You think for a minute that the people that finally allowed people to sit wherever they want to sit on the bus was because they all had some kind of spiritual awakening and they all began to deal with that spirit of racism was on them? No, they wanted to go back in business because nobody was riding the buses. But the reality is this. I don't care why they did it. They did it. And they would have never done it without a, a little small woman just getting up one day little in stature who was a lot bigger than what she looked like. Come on. You're talking about a David and Goliath. You know what the world's trying to tell you right now? We in a church right now where, there are, where the dream is alive. People of different races, all races are sitting in here. We, we, we live in a world where we, have, we now have our children play with each The dream that he had on that national mall, if you'll open your eyes and not listen to the world, I know it's still out there. I know, I know racism is very real. It's a demonic spirit. But if you'll open your eyes and stop listening to what the media is telling you, you will see the dream alive. And it's usually alive in a Holy Ghost church atmosphere because that's where his dream was birthed. Do you know what they're trying to tell us now? They're trying to tell all of the church now to sit on the back of the bus. Woo! Uh-huh. Oh, that, remember what they said? <laughs> oh, y'all don't, y'all don't want me to say what I'm thinking. I ain't worried about it. I'm going to say it anyway. Oh, remember when it was two weeks to slow the curve? Y'all remember that? I know it's hard to remember because that's two and a half years ago. Two weeks. Just actually two weeks to slow the curve. Then it turned into six weeks and nine weeks in the state of Alabama where you were not permitted to go to church. Some states, it was over a year that you were not permitted to go to church. Here's what they said. Now listen, we're not saying don't have church we want you to have church we just need you to understand that you've got to have church our way you've got technology now so let everybody stay home live stream and y'all can have church while you sit in your house and not in the gathering because they know this is where the equipping happens. The devil knows this is where relationships are built. This is where accountability happens. This is where you are taught to serve your brother and your sister. So in other words, you can ride the bus. We ain't got no trouble with you riding the bus. Just sit in your house. 
so you can't bother nobody else. Five people clapping because the rest of y'all scared to clap. People at home is watching us going. Just change channels. Woo, it's getting quiet in here. We need some Dr. King anointed. We need some Rosa Park anointed. We need some dreamers. We need some people say, I have a dream. We need some people that will stand up. We need some people that will lock arms. We need some people go say, I'll sit where I want to sit. This is United States of America. I got freedom of religion. If I want to dance and praise the Lord, I'll dance and praise the Lord. You ain't going to tell me I can't shout. You ain't going to tell me I can't sing. You ain't going to tell me I can't come down to the altar. If I'm sick, I'm going to get my pastor and the elders to lay hands on me. Now, if you don't want it, you ain't got to have it. But I got to have it and I want it. I'm just checking. There ain't no snow yet. Y'all good. Let me tell you something about Dr. King and Rosa Parks. They were pushers. They were pushers of the mind of God. God says he's no respecter of persons. God says we are all created in his image. But we had, we were, that, they lived in a generation that people had took on themselves. They had felt empowered to be the pushers of identity and value. But somebody, how many knows, in every situation, there's always a remnant. And it's always the minority. Not just a minority when we talk about racism, minority. You hear that term a lot. But the minority means the smaller number. It will always be the smaller number. Listen to me. Change, radical change for the good has never been done by the majority. Freedom has never been granted by the majority. Freedom can only be taken by the the oppressed can only take their freedom back from the oppressor. The oppressor never just decides, maybe an individual, by God working on, in their life. But the spirit of oppression does not just stop all of a sudden one day and decide, decide to stop oppressing. We are still fighting, if you didn't know this, the same devil that was in the garden. He ain't a different devil. Is this microphone working? Am I preaching right back here? Y'all feeling me? Y'all feeling me? Watch this. Dr. King was not a pusher through government. Dr. King pushed the government. See, while y'all waiting on a politician to pass a law, to change something. 
that has roots in, in a demonic spirit. I got some news for you. Are you ready? It ain't never happened and it ain't gonna happen. Because government has never passed a law. They may say it's for you, but it ain't ever for you. It's always for them. We don't need government to push the people. We need the people to push the government. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know automatically. This, this is how we're programmed right now. This is how we're pro. I know automatically, automatically our minds go to, oh, Lord. He's telling us to take up guns and spears and swords and break into capital and go down to Montgomery and take over Kay Ivey's office. That's not what I'm saying. Let me tell you something. That's evil, too. You ain't never going, no one's ever going to listen to your message that way. I'm talking about spiritual fighting. I'm talking about the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violent take it by force. Here's how we take it by force. We just sang it. This is how I fight my battles. Not just through praise and worship in the church, but through taking a stand on what God's word said. Teaching our children in the next generation being pushers of hope. Now sometimes it's going to take you being involved in government. Because we need Holy Ghost men and women of God involved in government. The laws are the laws. So certainly we need the government to be influenced by godly men and women. If we've ever needed to pray for godly men and women to be put in office, it is now. But I'm just saying you could have godly men and women in office and they could pass the greatest bills in the world that even sounds biblically accurate. But it will never accomplish what the remnant can accomplish when they see themselves the way they really are. God, I'm preaching good. He pushed us. He pushed the people and the government. And here's how he pushed us. Go back and watch. Go back and watch his speeches. He didn't quote uh, House Law 1, Subjection B, Paragraph 3 when he preached. No, here's what he quoted, 1 Chronicles 7, 14. You go back and watch him. He Everywhere he went, every time he spoke, he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. He did not preach the gospel of Dr. King. He preached the gospel of the King of Kings. I think it's cool that his name was King. And all these years later, he's known as Dr. King. But if you could talk to Dr. King right now, Dr. King would tell you, I ain't the king, that's just my name. I serve the king. I might be a king, little K down here on the earth like all of us, made in his image. But I preach and teach and serve the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It's 1110 if you're taking medicine. Make sure you take that pill, y'all. God help us if you don't take that pill. Dr. King was not a politician. He was a preacher. True generational change does not come through government. It always comes through repentance and revival. Every government in the history of mankind that tried to stop the gospel Every one of them no longer exists or has completely lost their influence in the world, yet the gospel has survived them all. 
the pushes of Dr. King and others were pushes in the right direction. And anytime you push in the right direction, you will always have a majority to push you back. But, in our, but it is around the same time, watch the pushback. I want, to wa- I want you to see and go back and study. 1968 was the year that I was born. But I've studied 1968. It was one of the most prolific years of our history. Assassinations. Riots in the streets. Things were burning down. People were protesting. And of course, you know, Dr. King had been assassinated before that. And now uh, Kennedy Jr. had been assassinated just like his brother had been assassinated previous to that. It looked like this world was falling apart. But in the midst of that, here's Dr. King and here is a movement that changed this nation. But in the middle of that movement, there was also another pu- a push from, from, from within that was while you had some receiving the push of civil rights in the midst of that you had others saying okay I'll, I'll accept that push but while I'm accepting that push I'm going to step over here and then I'm going to start pushing another agenda so, so they stepped aside and allowed civil rights legislation things be passed and, and all the things that came with it after that. But then all of a sudden there was a, another push that happened around the same time in the mid to the late 60s called the sexual revolution. Are y'all hearing me? So in the midst of a spirit of freedom being granted to a people, the enemy capitalized on it and pushed in under the guise of freedom that if we're going to be free here, why don't we just, we should just be free everywhere. So there was a movement of free sex and free love. Oh, y'all awake now, ain't you? This free sex, this free sexual revolution was the first push. It was embraced by millions. It swept the globe. Then it moved into the 70s and 80s, especially in the 90s when the internet came about, it moved into a push to accept pornography as normal and easy to access. Now, I'm, how old am I? I'm 54. I just forgot. I was was trying. I just had a birthday. I forgot how old I was. I'm 54, I think. I think I am. Yeah, that's right. 54. You say I'm showing it? Fifi. Excuse me just a second while I go have a counseling session. That's all right. You're just pushing me to dye my beard. I get it. I get it. It's just a push. I'm skinny jeans. They're coming back. I'm, 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 I'm losing weight again. When I get down to a certain weight, you got to tell me when I'm ready for skinny jeans, okay? You're my cultural advisor. But I'm going to tell you something right now. When I, when I was young... Porn has always been there, but it wasn't as easily accessible. Can I be real with y'all? It's magazines and stuff like that. Now, children are being exposed to porn when they're 9 and 10 years old. When that happens, their innocence is gone. Can't get that back. When they ought to be thinking about making mud pies and playing out in the yard. It's been a desensitizing push. It's been a slow drip, but it's been a slow push. I mean, as water can drip and just be a drip, and years later, it can, it, that single drip can cut a groove in a rock. Are y'all alive, church? I know y'all are just uncomfortable wondering, if he's already said that, where's he going now? I know. I know. I can feel you. 
After the acceptance of porn came the push of the normalization of alternate lifestyle choices. After that came the changing of the definition of what it means to be in a marriage. After that was the push to change a complete understanding and definition of what gender is. And when you thought there was nothing else they could push, let me tell you the latest push. And it is shocking that it is a push, but it is a push, and it is happening right now. USA Today, last week, which used to be, in my opinion, a reputable newspaper. I remember when I was a kid, it was, one of the, it was probably the only national newspaper that was out there. USA Today posted... They wanted you to pay for it because when I clicked on the article, you had to be a subscriber. But so many people blew them up. They took the paywall off and let everybody read. So you can go and read it. USA Today last week, the title of the article is this. We need to look again and redefine how we look at pedophiles. And in the article, many medical experts, remember, follow the science, Many scientists and experts are now saying that pedophilia is put into someone in the womb of their mother. They are born with it. That if you are born with, if you are now because they believe that, that you, can, you can be one gender, now it's not, you can't, you can't even say that you're a gender. You have to say the gender you were assigned at birth is, is what, instead of just saying you're a boy. Getting quiet in here because y'all 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 didn't think pastors still talk like this, but I'm going to tell it like it is today. And so so the next thing was if you're born and and you're assigned at birth is what they say, but God made you a boy, and on your on your birth certificate says boy, now you can become a girl later on because you were born in the wrong body. They're now saying under the same guise because because every time they push, they wait to see, they wait to see who's going to accept the push, who's going to accept the push, who's going to accept the push, and when the world doesn't push back. They're never going to stop pushing. So the next push is this. It, you need to have compassion on pedophilia. Now, look, let me, tell you, let me make something clear to you this morning. Let's go real quiet here, and that's okay, because I understand the sensitive topic that I'm talking about. Let me just make it very clear today. You may not ever be, have, be able to forgive some, uh, a pedophile, but let me tell you something. God can I want, I want to let you know right now. I want to tell you right now because if you don't think God can, then you've limited God in the grace of God. Let me tell you something. The grace of God is able to forgive anybody for anything they have ever done. You might not ever like them, and you might, you might want them to stay in jail. But God can forgive a, a mass murderer. Okay? Because if he can't, then how do you know he really can forgive you? Because sin is sin. But the reality is this, that's one of the most horrible sins in humanity that you can be a part of. So the whole article was, we need to rethink our understanding and our outlook of that and not tell them that they, that, that is a sin. Just accept it. One person even commented that eventually... It will become another alphabet. Because right now it's like LGBTQ. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I, I don't even know where. And then plus, that plus just means whatever we want to add later. This person said, I can foresee a day when we finally understand that this was born in the womb, in the DNA of that person, that P 
could be added to the LGBTQ plus and all that. Do you understand? This is not a hatred preach. I'm not preaching hate here. I'm just saying at some point, someone has to stand up and say, now wait a minute. If you're saying that, you're saying that our God made them that. Because he said, I formed you in your mother's womb. Therefore, you're going to try to tell me God formed someone to harm a child? No. I'm telling you, it all began in the 60s with the push of the sexual revolution. Let me tell you something about the devil. The devil never stops pushing. He will only stop pushing when he has been adequately rebuked, put in his place by the masses who have influence. And the masses who have influence many times are not the masses in number. Woo, this is good preaching. Woo, come, come on, 11.20. Can, I, can we all give me 10 more minutes? I'll get you out of here, man. We're gonna still, we still got offering. We still got announcements. We got, I'm going to do all that stuff, okay? We got, we got small groups to look at back there, and then we're going to go home and throw a snowball. You're gonna, everything's going to be a great day. Everything's going to be a great day. Some of y'all going to have to process, process, process a lot of the stuff you're hearing today. I don't even know if I'm still on live stream. They probably already flagged me. I tell you, I'm not kidding when I say this. It would be the greatest Trophy in my case the day that Facebook messages me and says, uh, you're no longer able to broadcast on Facebook. I will not be sad about it. I will rejoice because I will know that I have pushed that devil. Come on, somebody. to a, Because you know I don't preach hate here. We don't preach hate in this house. We preach truth. And I will know that the truth finally knocked over the sacred cow. And you know what? Maybe that's what needs to happen. Maybe YouTube does need to shut us down. Maybe Facebook does need to shut us down so that we can get back to where we were just a few years ago. During the same time that the free sexual revolution was being pushed back, there was another push happening. It was the push, listen to me, from the government to change our mindset to making government our ultimate care and provision and turning us away from our ultimate care and provision from our God. Mm -hmm. See, some of y'all, oh, some of y'all upset with God because they cut off that stick, because the government cut off that stimulus check. You don't know how you're going to make it now. But the stimulus check, can I help you this morning? I know it helped you. But I know some of y'all didn't use it on rent. Some of y'all bought a new TV. Some of y'all put a new back porch. I ain't saying anything wrong with that. I'm just trying to tell you that I know all y'all didn't buy groceries with it. Some of y'all might have. But let me tell you what the push was of all of that through the pandemic. It was to cause you to get used to being taken care of by Daddy Washington. 
then to elect the ones and whoever on both sides of the aisle that promises you the milk will still flow from your mama. Y'all can figure that one out on your own if you just put me back where I am. The truth is for over three generations, the push has been happening along these lines all the way across in our society and culture. And it's been pushing in the wrong direction. And it has been pushing and pushing and pushing. And church attendance is, is plummeting and plummeting and plummeting. And every generation that comes, more and more, no, higher and higher percentages are becoming agnostics and atheists because we have as a church become to look more like the world than like the kingdom. When you cannot tell a difference between the church and the world, we have been pushed too far in the wrong direction. There is supposed to be something different about you. Everybody is not supposed to like you. You need to be a pusher. Slap your neighbor and tell him, be a pusher. We need a new push. Jesus was a pusher. Can I get an amen? That's why he got so much pushback. He didn't come in to ride along with the standard. He came back to, he came to upset the apple cart. Jesus didn't go along with the religious norm. He, come to he didn't come to tear down the church. He came to tear down religion. He came to tear down what government and religion. See, when Jesus came on the scene, he came into a world where, where religious people had more fear of the government than they did of God. And this was the people that told stories about the Dead Sea party, told stories about giants being taken down by their ancestors with a stone. Are you hearing me? Stories, my God, of 300 men defeating thousands with nothing more than a trumpet and a broken lantern. These were the stories of great men of faith. But by the time you got to the time of Jesus, they were scared to death of the Roman emperor. They were scared to death to do anything against a religious church. The preachers were bought off by the Romans. Jesus said, I'm going to knock these tables over. I'm going to bust up these bird cages because some of y'all. Remember when he knocked over them tables? He wasn't knocking over them tables just because he's just mad that day. He was knocking over them tables because when he came into the temple, he saw the people selling tainted doves and tainted lambs. The days of the spotted, the spotless lamb that were gone. People were bringing lambs that, that, that had disease because they wanted to keep the best ones at the house when God had told them, you need to bring your best to me. And they were paying off the preachers, paying off the Levites to accept a partial tainted offering. Jesus said I will not accept partial tainted offerings in my house and he knocked over them cages and he knocked over them tables. Y'all don't like this part. One gospel said he took a whip and tore their rear end up. Y'all know what we need? We, we might need a push but we might just need a good spanking. I'm almost through. Jesus pushed back against the leaders and the voices that were pushing the people of God in the direction that they were never supposed to go. And then in the midst of those pushers, the pushers that was pushing God's people the wrong way, there were religious leaders. There was a remnant within there that nobody even knew was there, but down deep inside they were hungry. 
There's a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a part of that religious elite that had become, quite frankly, gods in the eyes of the Jewish people. They, they had more respect for the priests and the Sanhedrin than they did even for God. They were scared to offend the priests more than they were to offend God. Can I tell you that same spirit happens? Every, it happens every time I see some of y'all at Walmart. Because y'all, y'all, y'all kick into holy gear when you see me. Y'all just don't know I was on the other aisle and I heard you cussing like a sailor. I don't say nothing about it. I just come around the corner and say, what's up, man? Oh, I'm blessed by the best. Praise the Lord. Got up this morning and told the Lord, thank you for waking me up this morning. Start me on my way, Pastor. I tell you what, it's a, God's good, ain't it, Pastor? God's good. You, you tell Pastor saying I love you. Y'all be blessed. See you Sunday. I'm walking away going. Why are you worried about impressing me? I ain't got nothing to do with your eternity. I ain't, I, I, if I wanted to write your name in the book, I can't. Nicodemus, because I'm going to tell you something, you might be surprised who the remnant is going to be. Nicodemus was hearing the words of Jesus, watching from afar. While his peers were condemning and pushing the people away from Jesus, things that he was saying began to click with him. He's like, I know what, I know what they told me, but that, that makes more sense than anything I've ever heard. Yeah, what he said is, yeah, okay, I forgot, I forgot that Isaiah said that. I for, all this kind of stuff started making sense to him. But out of fear, what's this? Of the push that he knew he would get if he stood up in the middle of the Sanhedrin and said, all y'all need to stop what you're saying. We need to listen to this man. Let me tell you what he did. I'm thankful that he did it, but he did it out of fear of the push. Religion, religious spirits can destroy your life. I'm going to tell you, some people are out of church because they're out of church because a religious spirit in a church offended them and somebody portrayed themselves to represent Christ and now they've lumped the whole church up because of how stupid these people acted to them and, and, they, and they're, they, they, it's called church hurt. If you ain't never gone through church hurt, church hurt is one of the most painful church hurt, the hurts, you, hurts that you'll ever go through in your life. It literally feels like a death. So he knew the power of the religious spirit. So he came to Jesus in the middle of the night. Because he needed to sneak in to get his question answered. But something, watch this, something was pushing him. See, I'm going to tell you what, you can't put your finger on it. You can't, but you know, every one of you know right now, there is something pushing you right now. That's why you're here on a Sunday morning in the middle of all this mess that's going on. That's why I tell, I tell our leaders, I tell my wife, we tell each other all the time, I cannot and I will not preach down to you. I'm not going to preach down to you. First of all, I don't want to do that anyway. But I can never allow myself to forget the sacrifice you have made to be in this building. Because you, you've pushed through not just what the world has said, but many of your loved ones, your family members. They are judging you for going to church. But you, you went through all of that to sit on this chair right now. And I honor you. Come on, come on. Let's honor all our brothers and sisters. I honor you for that decision. Now watch this. I'm through. I'm through. This is my last point. I'm through. 
came in. John chapter 3, where we get our famous John 3.16. What you may not realize is John 3.16 was a part of the conversation that happened with Nicodemus. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, our teacher, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Now watch this. Jesus didn't say, yep, you're right, I'm the man. Watch what he says. Jesus answers and says to him, most assuredly I say to you. In other words, what I'm about to say to you is of utmost importance. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And he says something powerful in verse 7. Do not marvel that I have said unto you, you must be born again. Come on, give the Lord a praise for the gospel. Caleb, you're an evangelist. That you probably couldn't even begin to count how many times you've quoted, you must be born again. Because an evangelist is driven for souls. So there's without a doubt, this is a salvation message. Without a doubt, you cannot go to heaven and the way you are born again is through repentance. Not through a preacher touching you, bopping you on the head with oil. Not because you was baptized with you as a baby. No, it's for whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you hearing me? But I want to close by going just a little bit deeper. He said, you got to get a revelation of something. What I'm telling you to do is something bigger than just repenting. See, repenting, when I say it that way, let me put it this way. Some people believe that that means just say the words, Jesus, forgive me, come into my heart and save me. Demons can say that. It's not the words that save you. It's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Something has got to change. Are you hearing me? It's got to be bigger than words. He says, he didn't say, you must go to church. He didn't say, you must go to the altar. He didn't say, you must repeat the words of the pastor. In fact, he was already doing all those. He said, Nicodemus, there's something that's got to happen to you in the spirit realm that's never happened in you, but it is happening right now. Remember what Jesus later on said? Jesus said this, no man is saved unless he is first drawn by the Spirit. Are you hearing me? Another way of saying that is pushed by the Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit is always pushing. He's always convicting. And He's always trying to push us to a place of change. Now watch this. Do not marvel that I said you must be born again. Let me tell you something about being born again. I'm thankful that God uses natural things to teach us spiritual principles. And he teaches us to show us the process of a baby being born, coming to this world. Salvation is the point of the baby being born. Then the baby has to learn how to walk, learn how to talk. The baby has to learn how to feed himself. Starts off with milk, goes to the meat of the word. We see that all through scripture that God takes the baby and the child and the life of a human being to teach us our growth in God. Are you with me? 
But watch this. We, we spend all our time talking about what happens after the baby is born from the womb. And we forget what, we forget the womb. See, the womb of which we are all in and we all came from is a, comf- a comfortable place came from in the natural. We are in there at many times in our life in the spiritual. The womb is now, spiritually speaking, the comfortable place that we get in where we now have someone feeding us, nurturing us, covering us, taking care of us, and we feel safe and warm. But how many knows there comes a time you've got to come out of the womb? The warmth, the nourishment, the comforting voice of your mother is everything you need when you're in the womb. First trimester, as you're growing, as you're being drawn, as you're being molded, you're good. No place in the world for you you'd rather be than the womb. Second trimester, you start getting a little excited, start jumping around, dancing a little bit, making facial expressions. Ain't nobody in there with you, but you smiling. You ever seen them? I mean, you've seen the sonar, right? Hi, look at you. Yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming. A little bit longer. I mean, they do some crazy stuff in that one. And you mamas know they do some crazy stuff as they get bigger. They do somersaults. They do jump jack, jumping jacks. Come on. But somewhere between the second and third trimester, something happens in that baby's existence. Without anyone teaching or training that baby, and it has to be straight from God, the baby senses it's time for me to turn. And on that baby's own, his or her own, that baby starts turning his world upside down. Can I, can, I, can I preach a little bit? How many of those, every one of us had a life. We thought we was good. We was living in sin. It was comfortable. It was warm. We were having fun. But all of us at some point in our life, we felt something trying to turn us. We couldn't explain it. We wasn't satisfied with drugs anymore. Sex, we get all the sex in the world, but it didn't satisfy us anymore. Come on, are y'all hearing me? We went to the bars and the clubs all night long, but it just didn't feel the way it used to feel. Something, oh my God, what we didn't realize is back in the back room late at night while you was out clubbing, your grandmother was on her face praying. Shut up. She was saying, God, save my baby. God, don't you let my baby die of drugs. Turn him around. Do what you got to do. And while you didn't even know it, the prayers of somebody, oh, the prayers of the righteous and the just begin to pray for you. And God start taking people out of your life. God start making it uncomfortable. God started squeezing in. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. And you just, just then all of a sudden, you woke up one day and the whole world that you knew was upside down. And all of a sudden, mama's like, oh, my God, I'm uncomfortable. Oh, everybody says I'm glowing, but I'm ready to kill everybody. All of a sudden, what you don't realize on the inside, something's happening to your baby, too. While you you getting uncomfortable up top, and you said, God, you need to get this thing out of me. If the baby could talk, the baby's inside saying, man, it's been fun for a while, but I need to get out of here. When it comes to the end of the third trimester, full term, 
Mama's miserable. Baby's miserable. They've had a good time together, but it's time for mama to birth the baby. And it's time for the baby to breathe on his own, eat on his own, walk on his own, stand on his own. Shh, it's good preaching. Somebody look at your neighbor and tell him, it's time for you to get out. Let me tell you something, you weren't supposed to be in there that long. I remember my youngest, Rachel, came to this world. When she was born, she's almost 11 pounds. Both my kids were huge. My other ones were, don't, I love my kids. They're not huge now, but they were huge babies. They were both over 10 pounds. She's almost 11. And she went a week past term. I mean, every day, Sandy was like, we're going walking. Let's go. We're pushing Lizzie around the, and she's like this, walking down the streets of Trafford, pushing Lizzie in the stroller. God help me, God help me, God help me. All I can do is just, Jesus help her, Jesus help her. Because let me tell you something. When a baby is in the womb too long, nobody's comfortable. He done turned around. God doesn't help you turn around. He doesn't turn your whole life around to prepare you to be born. Now watch this. You got to get out. You understand the womb has been a place where you needed to be to prepare you for your life. But if you stay in the womb, you will not survive. And you will probably take the person that is trying to birth you out as well. You've got to get out. As long as you're in the womb, you will never breathe on your own. You will never crawl. You will never walk. You will never run. You will never impact another single person. But here is the problem with that situation. The only way you're ever going to get out is someone is going to have to push you. Something is going to push you. God is not going to bring you to the place of birth and push you all the way there and then let you finish it off on your own. He's going to push you into a place. Then then it's up to you how you live when you get there. You are only here in the natural because your mama pushed you out. You was either pushed out or cut out, but you came out. And you didn't get cut out until she tried to push you out. And the doctor said, she ain't coming out. He ain't coming. That's what they said. That's what they said about Lizzie. Doctor looked at me and said, I ain't got time to tell you right now. Your wife's been trying to push her out for almost 24 hours. Temperature is raising, temperature the baby is raising. You, if you want that baby, I'm gonna have to cut that baby out. Lizzie was born by C-section. I'm sorry to share your business, Andy. But I'll, I'll never forget when I was in that room. When that doctor pulled her out, he, the first words he ever said over Lizzie was he looked at me and he goes, she wasn't never going to fit. Okay. I, that's, what, that's what he said to me. I'll just tell you. That's what he said. That's what he said. That's what he said. That's what he said. I'm just telling you. That's what he said. Now, I'm hurrying. I'm hurried. I got, I, got, I, it was hard to, I got enough time for announcements and offering in first fist. Right now. If I'll stop right now, I got enough time. But I'm not going to stop right now. Isn't it amazing that God designed us to be birthed with a push? He designed us to be birthed with a push in the natural. And he designed us in the spiritual to be birthed with a push as well. 
we forget that we're here because of a push. But we push back against God trying to push us out. God's trying to push us out. Every time we push back against God, God will push back again because he's never going to stop trying to push us into our purpose and our destiny. He told Nicodemus, you are thinking about being born again the wrong way. Flesh is flesh. That push has already happened. I'm talking about another push. So we now know, we, so we know that being born again, of course, is a conversion experience, as we've said, but it's a pushing experience as well. Nicodemus, you must be pushed out of your current way of life. Nicodemus, you must be born again. I believe God has been trying to birth something in the church for a long time. But we keep pushing back. Or we keep stop, we stop the push. And let me tell you something about the push. I know that some of you have been blessed by God. You had the greatest childbirth experience ever. You went into labor, your water broke, you pushed one time and you had a baby. And all the other women hate you, by the way. Because that is not the way it went for them. Most of them had to push more than once. And pushing is a painful experience as well. One push is usually not enough to birth a child. Usually it takes multiple pushes. The pushes are tied to pain and stress. Without the epidural that they give you, it is very painful. Holy Spirit is almost like the epidural to us during hard times and painful times if we'll allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Some of the things that have been painful wouldn't have been quite as painful in the push if we would have allowed God to work in our lives the way He wanted to during the push. Here's the last thing I want to tell you, and this is why I cannot stop now, because you've got to hear this. The first thing to come out of a push is the head, when it's proper. If your push is not being led by the head of the body, you are in what they call breach. And, and if you break a covenant or a contract, you are known to be in breach of contract. It is a violation of what God said He wants to do in your life. You must be repositioned correctly to come out correctly. And when you decide to come out the way you want to come out, you are in breach. And you cannot be pushed out unless you are coming out correctly. Every single time you try to push yourself out, climb your way out, it usually ends badly. When the head comes out, it is known in the medical term as crowning. A crown is something that a king wears. Jesus is the head of the body. Every time you're ever pushed into something, you better make sure that Jesus is coming before you. If you try to go out feet first and leave the head back, ain't going to work. But I'm going to tell you something that's interesting. Isn't it interesting that the push that has swept the world right now it's known as Corona. And Corona virus was not named after a, a beer. Corona virus is named coronavirus 
Because when you look at the virus in the microscope and you see the, pro the proteins that are surrounds the molecule, they are in the shape of a crown. Corona means crown. There are two babies trying to be pushed out right now. There's two birthings that is trying to happen at the same time. And both of them are crowning. One of them calls itself a crown designed from within disease and death. One of them is the king. Isn't it just like the devil who's always tried to imitate everything God's ever done? to bring about his final push as an imitation of the king of his kingdom. He's trying to develop his own kingdom, trying to crown his own king, trying to bring his own corona. And Jesus over is saying, oh, you may be birthing something. You may be pushing something out, but I'm pushing something out. It might be smaller in stature, but it is created in my image. It's my body. I'm the head of this push. And I'm going to tell you, that's the remnant. You better get up on your feet right now and and shout, I am a part of that remnant. Woo! Don't you let nobody tell you. Don't you be led. You do what you got to do to keep yourself led. But don't keep yourself safe. But don't you be led by the crown of a demonic disease. It's very real. Very dangerous. He's lost a lot of people that we love. It's very real. Need to treat it very real. Many people in this church have suffered greatly because of it. I think probably dare say 99% of everybody in this church has gone through it. Once, some of you have gone through it twice and three times. We've lost some of our dearest people to it. In this church and in my own friendships in my life, I know it's real. I know cancer is real. I know heart disease is real. Huh? I know all those diseases are real. But am I going to spend the rest of my life being pushed by the fear of cancer? Some, some of you, you have a pain somewhere in your side. It won't go away. And you're automatically thinking about how you, your uncle died of something, of pancreatic cancer. And you're automatically telling yourself you've got pancreatic cancer. Ladies find some kind, some, some kind of lump in their breast. You're automatically thinking, hey, you need to be safe. You need to do the right things. Take care of yourself. Understand that genetics is real. Understand that things are hereditary. If, if your father died of a heart attack and your, great -grandfather, your grandfather died of a heart attack, you need to make sure you take care of your heart. No one in this church is telling you not to do that. But you cannot spend the rest of your life in fear of a heart attack. One of my favorite things, one of my favorite things that God ever gave me was right here standing in this pulpit, a rhema drop down word, download. He said, you tell this church that God is, I'm calling them to live a life that outlives their life. And the only way you live a life that outlives your life is you live a life where you let God push you out of your comfort zone. And you do things that nobody else is doing. And you stand for things that nobody else is standing for. Think about tomorrow. Think about tomorrow. All over this country. But think about today. 
I'm not saying every church did it, but almost every church, regardless of the color of their skin, acknowledged the life of a man that's been gone since the 60s. Has there been a man in this nation and in the world, quite frankly, that lived a life that outlived his life? It's Dr. King. If the Lord doesn't return, and our grandkids are the ones that see the Lord return, and we all die and go to be with the Lord, our grandkids will still be playing that old black and white speech. I have a dream. No one will ever stop that dream. Every one of us stand before God give an account for our lives for the moment in which he trusted us to live don't let those words just be the words of a man saying something to you let those words be carved on your heart we stand before God we will give an account for our lives but we will also give an account because I think most people in here believe our generation's it this is the revival generation this is the remnant generation we don't know that we feel it. the signs all around us are pointing to that like no generation's ever seen. And if we are, that means God chose us and trusted us to be in the church and to be a voice in this moment. Amen. Do not take that for granted. How awesome is that? Not Peter. Not Paul. Not any of the early church fathers. Not even the, any of the great revivalists. Those that saw miracles where eyeballs popped into empty eye sockets. The dead raised after multiple days of being dead. Those are just stories to us. And we think, my God, where did, those, where, where did that revival go? But how awesome is this? As hard as it is for us to believe this sometimes. God did not choose Smith Wigglesworth to be alive right now. Even Oral Roberts. Even Billy Graham. It's us. We are the pushers of the gospel. We are the pushers of the healing power of God. We have to teach our children. When they get sick, mama and daddy, pray. Amen. We still go to the doctor if we need to. We still take medicine if we need to. Before we do anything else, we pray. What are you pushing? Ain't it time for you to get pushed out of that womb? Ain't it time? time for God to push you out. I'm going to tell you something right now. That's why we made this big altar. Because we got ready for a big push. God said, you need more room for the push that's coming. In the middle of everybody saying don't go to church, let me tell you something. This church is about to be filled up with people who understand I've been in this womb too long. I need, I need a push. Now, let me tell you something. I'm nothing, I'm nothing greater than you. I'm no greater than you. I'm going to mess with you just like you. I'm just a human being. I'm just a man. But I am your pastor. 
many of you I'm your spiritual father I hope most of you I'm your spiritual father that and here's what I want you to know there's a lot of times when you know, when that woman is about to give birth to that baby and she's got the epidural and everything's fine and she just sort of checks out of the world for just a moment sometimes that mama needs the doctor or the nurse to look at her and say look at me I know you don't want to right now but I need you to push one more time that's my voice in your life that's why you come here on Sundays to be equipped for the work of the ministry so that God can anoint me in this moment to say to you I know you don't think you can do it but God needs you to push one more time there where you stand and raise your hands all over this house everybody in the name of Jesus begin to pray right now begin to pray begin to pray begin to pray begin to pray if you need God in your life if you've never been born again if you are maybe you're in a backslidden state you know the Lord and you have walked away from God you're watching online right now if that's you right now before we go any further I'm not even going to waste time for you to come down here I want you to begin to pray that prayer ask the Lord to forgive you right now ask the Lord to forgive you come on mean it from your heart don't just say the words come on be honest and real with him right now he already knows the truth just confess the truth right now just confess the truth confess the truth confess the truth confess the truth in the name of Jesus 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 now father right now as we get ready to close this service and do the things that we need to do to finish this service let us go home today understanding that today is a push today is a push out of comfort zone Caleb, I hear the Lord saying to you right now that one of the things that's about to happen in your life is, is and, and there's nothing wrong with this because I do this the same time. When God gives, gives me a powerful message and sermon, I will go to other places sometimes and preach that word because it's a, it was a word for this house, but it's a word for that house too. And there are messages that you have preached in multiple churches because you know that message and it's comfortable to you to preach it. But God said, I'm pushing you out of comfortability. There, there are new words in this moment. As, as the doors open for you to preach, God said there's going to be times that you're going, to, you're going to run out of time. You're going to be busy. You're going to be driving a lot. And your nature is going to be to rely on finding a good sermon that will work that night. God said, I'm going to, I'm going to push things out of you in, in supernatural speed. You will not even be able to write many of them down in time. Some of them will come rhema. They will, you will always be prepared. You're, you're an evangelist that's prepared, and you honor the house. You honor that pulpit. You're one of the greatest evangelists out there on, in, in this generation. But God said, I'm, I'm pushing you out of your comfort zone. I know you, but I don't know you that well. I've never been in one of your meetings, but I've been around you. And you are a five-fold ministry gift. And God said today, the reason God spoke to you today to come here today is not to hear me preach but to tell you that you've been birthed in many things throughout your ministry, but you're about to be birthed into a realm that you did not expect. Now I want to say this to you, Caleb. Listen, we're going to bake out. To, remember I told you last week? Don't think 12 o'clock is the finish line. We're shooting for it, but we're going to, we're going to do what God tells us to do in this house. Be prepared for pushback. Push back from people who are used that you are used to always putting you on the calendar. But there's going to be some things that are going to come out of you. There's some of them, very small number, but some of them are not going to be 
willing to hear. Don't take it personal. Pray that God will open up their hearts to hear that word. You've never been a mean-spirited preacher. That's not what I'm talking about. But, but God is going to give you a, ram, a remnant rhema word right now that everybody's not going to be willing to receive. And you have trust in God. One of the most difficult ministries to be in right now is evangelistic ministry, a traveling ministry. I understand that. God will provide for you. He will take care of you. He will open the doors that he needs to open for you. In fact, he's going to push open some doors that you thought were closed. He's about to push them back open because those doors will push open as you allow him to push you out of your place of comfortableness into a different realm. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. Father, right now, I just speak over this congregation right now. Every man, woman, and child that's in this building watching online, live or on replay, that we would not miss the moment that you have placed us in. Push us out, God. Make us uncomfortable. Remove the things that used to make us feel comfortable. Make us uncomfortable so that we would desire to be pushed out so that we can be what God you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a praise. Give the Lord a praise. Be seated for just a moment. Here's what we're going to do today. Ushers, will you come and drop the buckets on the side? For time purposes, because I want to give you just a few minutes to stop by the rock group tables as you go, our small groups, and meet some of our group leaders in just a moment. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to show the announcements. And after the announcements, we're going to do what we've never done before today. We're going to bring our tithe and offering and our first fruits together. So what I mean by that is this. If you have your first fruits today bring, and you have your tithes and offering, you have something separately. You can bring that, drop that in the bucket, and then just hang out right here. Okay? Just hang out right here. We're going to do it all together. The same prayers we've got, and then we're going to do our first fruits together. If you don't know what our first fruits are, we do that every Sunday in January. We've done it for I don't even know how many years. I want you to bring your first fruits. It's not just your offering that you're bringing, but you are writing down what you are believing God for. I've read every single one that you've brought. I've prayed over every single one. I've read them out loud to God. Our prayer team, our elders have done the same thing. So you bring it. You write down what you're believing God for. So if you have your tithes and offerings, you bring them up and then just hang out right here. And as soon as the tithes and offerings are ready, I'm going to pray over our first fruits. Father, we just thank you, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, for all that you've already done and all that you're about to do. For you love a cheerful giver. We thank you, God, for the hearts of the people that are giving. They give because they believe in you. They give because they believe in your idea called the local church. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. We'll do our announcements at the very end. So if you've got your tithes and offers, come on down and bring them. And if you have your first fruits, just hang out. Now, I don't know if my wife is in here or not. If she is, she probably is not. But if she is, can y'all bring her up here?
you have your first fruits, if you're not already up here, come on up here. Can y'all come over this way just a little bit, spread out just a little bit? I'd like for our elders who are here and our prayer team that's here to maybe come up and stand behind them. Any on the prayer team or elders to come up. Praise the Lord. The Bible tells us in the Old Testament there's three types of offerings that they brought to the temple. They brought the tithes. There was a room for the tithes. There was a room for the offerings. And there was a room for the first fruits. First fruits have been a part of the family of God since there was a family of God. And it's the first significant something. It may be your first day's wage. It may be just an amount that God put on your heart. Whatever it is, it's a sacrifice, and I know it is. God knows the amount, and he knows your heart. He knows your heart more. Than, he cares more about your heart than he does the amount. What he really cares about is the fact that you are declaring what you have wrote on that piece of paper to happen in this year. So I want you to know that we are also believing with you. Not only are we praying now, we will pray over them individually as we call them out and read them out. I'm thankful for your faithfulness. I'm thankful for your faith. Amen. Church, will you stretch your hands towards them right now? Father, in the name of Jesus, as these bring their first fruits forward, God, we understand that it is a sacrifice. We understand that it is a big deal to them. Not just the amount that they are bringing, but more than that, the great miracle that they are believing God for. For it has to be big. It has to be important for them to have wrote it down on the first month of the year, declaring, God, I need this to happen. I'm believing this to happen above everything else. It's the biggest deal to them, God. And you care what they care about. So, God, as we pray for them right now, we pray that every single thing that they are believing God for, every need that is written down, will be accomplished. This will be the year that it happens. We declare. We'd love for it to happen next week, but we declare, God, they will testify before this year is over with that everything they declared would happen, happened. And they will see your goodness. We believe that with every fiber of our being. We declare 22 will be the greatest year financially, mentally, spiritually in their life. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You can just lay it on there and we'll get it. Praise God, we'll get it. You can be seated. Thank you. Church, been one of them days I think I probably preached two hours. I think it's at least an hour and a half, but I don't apologize. Um, because sometimes you need to be pushed. Amen. One of the ways you can choose to be pushed is to sign up for one of these small groups. Because that'll push you out of your comfort zone when you, when you don't think you got time to do anything else. You make time to go do life with your brothers and sisters. And that's what it's all about. If you're not a part of a small group, please, please decide to at least give yourself an opportunity to see what's going on. Get a little information as soon as service is over with. I mean, it's, it's almost sunny skies out there, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you're getting snow, it ain't happening right now. It's, it, it, I'm sorry. I know y'all wanted to leave the church in a snowstorm. Nothing. Y'all, I see green grass out there. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You're in Alabama. Don't forget that. 
Uh, so we're going we're gonna to watch these announcements, and then we'll do a dismissal prayer. And uh, y'all be safe. Seriously, have, if you do have snow, have a good time. Have fun. And uh, do we start, we start our Wednesday night classes this Wednesday, right? Is that right? That's right. So this Wednesday night, Bible study, youth, Solid Rock students, a lot of exciting things are coming up on Wednesday nights too. So let's pay close attention, and then I'll come back and close you out in prayer. Welcome to Solid Rock Church, and it's Rock Group Rally Day. I'm Alex Pickle. And I'm Lindsay Pickle, and we're so happy to have you here today. And we want to let you know what's going up here at SRC. Tickets are now on sale for this year's Valentine's Banquet. The date is Saturday, February the 12th at 6.30, right here at Solid Rock Church. The cost is $25 per couple, and you can pick up your tickets at the welcome desk in the foyer. We're also very excited about our brand new four-week Wednesday night series, Inside Out. Our teachers for this class are Chet and Yelena McClellan. The class begins at 6.30 p.m. in SRC Kitchen. We hope to see you there, and we hope that you will bring a friend with you as well. And we want to remind you that our Spanish class is about to begin. This is a 10-week course that will meet on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The cost for the course is $100. We'll be meeting here at Solid Rock Church in the kitchen. Classes begin at 6.45. So if you are interested, you need to stop at the table located underneath the balcony today to let us know that you want to register for our upcoming Spanish class. Guys, we would love to see you at the Iron Man Fellowship Dinner, Friday night at 6.30 p.m. But before you leave today, make sure you stop by the register table and sign up. We're coming to you with this week's prayer focus. This week we're praying for Christian Rock Church, the country of Iraq, and our business this week is Pax Plumbing. So please help us pray for all of those this week. Remember tomorrow to take a moment and reflect on Martin Luther King Jr. And through his leadership, he changed the world. But right now, let's welcome our bishop back to the stage. Your version of Pastor Larry. And we'll go ahead and dismiss you guys. Don't forget to stop by the tables in the back. Join a small group because that's how we stay connected. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for what you have done today, Lord, what you have said through our bishop. God, we thank you, Lord, for the push. Thank you, Lord, for pushing us into new territory. God, we look forward to what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all be blessed.